Hey everybody, this is Daniel and Tracy. Hey. We are bringing you this episode a week after it was supposed to come out. You may have noticed that last week we held off releasing an episode and instead released a statement in support of Black Lives Matter and the people who are protesting against the murder of George Floyd and in favor of dismantling and destroying the oppressive system of police and oppression that have kept black Americans down for centuries. And we are 100% in support of that movement. Yes. Could not be stronger in favor of it. But we wanted to go ahead and bring you this episode now because Tracy and I were talking just now and she said, hey, listen, as much as all this stuff is, is fantastic, all these changes are great and we're going to continue to move forward into this new normal, this new world. Other stuff is, is going to still continue to happen, too. And we realized, hey, if we can, by watching some movies and making some dumb jokes about them, bring some people a bit of a break. Levity. Yeah, levity, break, a bit of self-care, a bit of mental health relief between being out on the lines. Uh, we're happy to do that. So we wanted to go ahead and release this episode now. It's about Blood Simple. Uh, but we actually, since we recorded it more than a week ago, I've forgotten all of what we talked about. Yes. So who knows? Yeah. I told Daniel the world's going to keep spinning mm -hmm. and we either have to just stop the podcast altogether or we have to go forward and just make sure that people know where we stand. And I believe you guys know where we stand. Exactly. Um, we also want to encourage you to get out there and protest if you can. If you can't, that's okay. We're still under a global pandemic. Yep. There are countless organizations to donate to Black Lives Matter, George Floyd's family, Breonna Taylor's family, Ahmaud Arbery's family, NAACP, the NAACP ACLU, the bail bond, bail, bail bonds, yeah. the bail. Um, Find a bail relief fund in your thank, city. Thank you. Mm -hmm. He's I'm not here today. Yep. And uh, if you can't donate, that is also OK. Yeah. We're in shitty times right now. You can get on social media. You can spread the word. You can call your representatives. You mm -hmm. can write your representatives. You can go sit outside your representative's house. Yep. We're in a revolution right now. Yep. And this is a whole new, this is a whole new world. And I'm going to resist breaking out Please into don't. song. Yeah, we'll do that um, later. But, but it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be hard. And um, we're here for you. And, we're going to keep doing what we do, but we're going to keep reminding you that we are, we have not forgotten. We are making donations. Mm -hmm. We are uh, doing our work and um, we encourage you to do the same and to support Black Lives Matter because that's just, it's, that's all I can say just over and over again is yeah. Black Lives Matter. So have those conversations. Be prepared to make people uncomfortable and be okay with that. Make your family and your friends uncomfortable. Oh, I made my dad uncomfortable. This has to happen, you know? Like, these protests are clearly working. Like, we are seeing major movement. Yes. In just the past couple of weeks, and it's fantastic. Yes. So we are 100% in support of this. Seriously, Black Lives Matter all day. Yes. All day, every day. If you are white... Please listen to people of color. Mm -hmm. We are here to support them. And if you can just, if you can use your white privilege to support them, use it. Yep. Yep. Do it. Use that power. Like, look, I am a straight white male. Be a Karen. You know what I can do? I can knock shit down. Yeah. With no repercussions. So I'm going to start doing that. It's yeah. going to be great. Be, yeah. a, be a Karen and get in front of. Get in between the but cops a good and, one. The, and the but yeah, a good Karen. be a good Karen. Yeah, you, Karen, use your power for Ask good. To you speak dick to their manager. Yeah, 
get those badge numbers. Yeah, get those fucking badge numbers. Yeah, we're going to bring it down. We're going to mm-hmm. burn it all down, and we're going to rebuild it, and it's going to be mm-hmm. a world of equality. Yep. So all that to say, we, we're going to be bringing you some more episodes from now on, uh, as our schedule, of course, allows. Sometimes we might have to take a little breaks, but we're not going to be stopping because of everything that's going on in the world. Rather, we're going to continue to talk about it and support it and do what we can to help get the word out. And we yeah. hope you all do likewise. If we have to take a break, it's because I'm in summer school mm-hmm. and I'm having to take I'm having to basically work seven days a week and it's really rough. And so if we have to take a break, I swear it's not because we don't love you. My girl is working hard, cracking them books. Cracking them books. Yep. Um, but we are going to post some um, links to stuff. I'd like to find some great movie and comedy podcasts from people of color, you yeah. know, and post them for you guys to listen to. Just look and listen and support. Yeah, exactly. And if you are a person of color... We're here for you, and we're really fucking sorry. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. We love you guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Here's the thing. I got a job for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's right and it's legal, I'll do it. It's not strictly legal. Hey's right. I do. It's in reference to that gentleman and my wife. The more I think about it, the more irritated I get. Welcome hey. to How Have You Not Seen This? How Have You Not Seen This? We're going to try and say the name of the podcast up top instead of waiting for 10 minutes. It's a whole new, <laughs> whole new approach for us. <laughs> Let's just not ever say it again. Let's do like how movies just have the title at the end now, you know? Let's yeah. do that. The whole show. And then that was How Have You Not Seen This? Yes. Just surprise people. We are a comedy movie podcast. Yep. Where a husband and wife uh, show each other movies the other one really should have seen by now. That's right. That's Tracy. And that's Daniel. And we're the husband and wife that she just mentioned. That's us. That's, um, we're the same people. Actually, the husband and wife just sit on the couch. Yeah, it's weird. And we they do make the us, podcast. They write all this out and make us do it's it. It's really strange. They're not dressed right now either. No. We have been trapped here for 74 days. <laughs> and I'm asking for help. If anybody knows where my parents are or can get me out of here, please. I'm very scared. And also hungry. They don't have good snacks. No, anyway, they, well, no we don't really have good snacks We don't right have good now. snacks. Yeah. So that's how have you not seen this. Yeah. So, right. so, um, how are you? I'm okay. It's an ugly time to be alive. It's a horrible shit show of a world we're living in. Oh, I'll clarify that. It's an ugly time to be alive if you have a conscience or empathy. If you don't, it probably feels like a normal, annoying yes. week. You're like, what's all the ruckus about? But yeah. if you have a heart that is capable of breaking for others then it is a bad, bad time. So I'm, I've had a, a sad week, like I think a lot of us have had. Uh, it's just been a, it's a sad time right now. It is a sad time. Yeah, I am, I am not, uh, not doing well. But, but you know, the show must go on. Yep. And 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 so it does. And so it does. So anyway, this week we are talking about a movie that I had seen before that Tracy had not. 1985's Blood Simple, written and directed by the Cohen brothers, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Or as my dad calls them, hey, those two boys from Texas, from University of Texas. Yes. 
every single time with amazing predictability and regularity mm-hmm. he it's says those, that it's those brothers from university of texas hey hey yeah and i'm like well yeah like one of them did attend ut for several months and he's like that's what i need so yep, that's all he needs yep he's just really excited this was their first movie uh which i think is really cool we get to talk yeah, about that a little it bit shows yeah it does show but i think in, in but, good and bad ways and yeah. they've, they've talked about that since it's happened so but first super super basic recap for those of you who have not seen it in a while a skeezy bar owner in Texas, played by Dan Hedaya, suspects his wife, Frances McDormand, of committing adultery. He hires a P.I., played by M. Emmett Walsh, to follow her. M. Emmett Walsh, the P.I., realizes that Frances McDormand is, in fact, cheating on her husband with a guy named Ray, played by John Getz, who's a bartender and works at the bar. So Dan Hedaya then gets very angry and decides, hey... I'd like to take things up a level. So now that I know what's what, what if I hired the PI to actually get rid of them? And it all goes really well. And it's a super smooth sailing and everybody works out fine. Everything's great. Happy times are had by all, except none of that happens because it goes sideways real fast. There's lots of murder and paranoia and terror and sadness. It's a neo-noir thriller with some black comedy elements, but mostly to me a thriller. Uh, So yeah, that is big picture 10,000 foot view. So Tracy, how have you not seen this? I had never heard of it. All right, so that's good. Um <laughs> good. Good explanation. Just, totally fair. I don't know what else to say. Totally fair. I didn't know it existed. I learned about this today. <laughs> you know, of course, you are a, a Coen Brothers fan. I am a Coen Brothers fan. I shouldn't say I didn't know it existed. I, I've heard it mentioned before, um, but I've never I've never been like, hey, I should sit down and watch the Coen Brothers first movie. I just never thought about it. Right. Um, I do love the Coen Brothers. Um, some of their stuff is... Uh, a, a little bit too violent for me. Yes. Um, but I am a big fan of their work. I think they are brilliant. And it shows in this movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are a big Cohen household, as I feel most households really should be. Uh, they've been done a lot of great movies. Indeed. They have done, I think I counted, they have done 104. No, they've done like 17 movies so far. Wow. Since and this is their first. And they're all pretty good. There's some that you're like, that's not, I'm going to skip that. Like, nobody really, I think, needs to revisit the Lady Killers with Tom Hanks. Oh, heck no. So, but hey, uh, we're all imperfect people. Oh, gosh, no. But they've done so many good things. I'm going to run through just a real quick list. Uh, Blood Simple was their first one. And then Raising Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was their <laughs> second movie. so amazing. That was their second movie. Their third movie was Miller's Crossing. Wow. And then Barton Fink. The Hudsucker Barton Fink's amazing. The Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. Fargo. Yes. The Big Lebowski. Yes. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh. The Man Who Wasn't There. Yeah. Intolerable Cruelty. I love it. The Lady Killers. No. No Country for Old Men. Different mm-hmm. tastes. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. not for you. No. For me, not for you. Or as I called it, Country with Old People or something. something like I was that. like, hey, are we going to watch that Country for Old People? And he's like, No Country for Old Men. And yeah. I was like, I don't know. In no way is that remotely what the movie is called. <laughs> you dork. Anyway, after that, Burn After Reading. Love. A Serious Man. Love. Loved it. Yep. True Grit. Pretty good. Didn't see it. It's not bad. Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, well, yeah, That's a good one. Call me Oscar Isaac. Yeah. 
uh, Hail Caesar. Loved it. And then one that I think I've seen that you have not, which was the Netflix release, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. No, I did not see that. And I thought that one was just... that was a bunch of shorts? It was. It's like a bunch of short stories put together. It's, uh, it's like an anthology. It's okay. Yeah. I think some are better than others. Some are more interesting than others. I wasn't like a huge fan. I would be weirded out by by directors who made like every single movie they made was amazing. I'm sorry. I think that would be very yeah. strange. And, and I think the fact that they have made this many oh my incredible God. movies. Yep. And and their comedy is fantastic as well as their drama. I yeah. think that they are definitely like in the very top tier of of film directors and writers and everything else they do. Exactly. I mean, that's they've been working for thirty five years, and that's like seventeen movies. That is a regular clip. Mm-hmm. Every couple of years, these guys put out a movie. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Yeah, that's amazing. Do yourself a favor and try to find the. Uh, the concert, oh the, yeah, the Lewin inside Lewin Davis, like behind the music, um, where you get to see how you know, um, oh Angelina's daddy, T Bone Burnett, T Bone Burnett, uh, came up with who was going to be on the soundtrack, and them singing, you know, like them recording, and then this, there was a concert of the music. It's fucking bonkers because the music is out of control. Yeah, and it has Mumford. It's got our boys, Punch, uh, Brothers. Punch Brothers. I mean, Oscar Isaac. It has Oscar Isaac. Who Lake can play the guitar and sing? And he looks like that. It's not fair. Hang me, oh, hang me. I'll be dead and gone. Hang me, oh, hang me. I'll be dead and gone. It's not fair. But yeah, it's a really cool special and concert. It is packaged with the Criterion edition of Inside Lewin Davis. I know that. So, I mean, just pick that Watch up. It. Treat yourself. Yeah. Get it. It's good. I mean, that has so, nothing to do with today, but... No. Um, that's but just a little just tidbit for you. A little bonus way to live your life. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the Coen brothers, I think it's safe to say they're not bad at what they do. No. They're pretty good. And again, I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that this movie's kind of bumpy in parts because it is. There's some some choppiness in the way it's put together with some of the editing and storytelling. But this was their first movie. This yeah. is ridiculously good for somebody's first movie. Yeah, it's very weird to me that this was their first movie. I was like, uh... Like, there were parts that I was definitely like, if I close my eyes, will he notice? But it was absolutely like it just screams noir mm-hmm. the ceiling fans all the time oh, i was like noir noir i get it i get it i get it and the lighting where it's just like a slice across their eyes mm-hmm. um all that but the storytelling and the acting i mean hi you get francis mcdormand and you're like put her in a big paper bag and she's like here i come this was her first feature jesus this was her first feature. She's amazing. So let's let's talk about like did and you stunning. What did you think about the movie? Um, so I I will say that I thought it was really good. I thought that it was. I'm going to say that I thought it was really good because for what for for who did it and for what it is, it's very good. Um, it was definitely somebody's first movie. 
I was like, you guys aren't there yet. Like, you're not, I, you haven't quite right. got it. Right. Um, There's some parts that are visually confusing and hard to follow. Yes. Uh, it was, yes. But they were very smart enough to get some great actors. Uh, they're like, hmm. Uh, it made me insane uh, for a while because M. Emmett Walsh. Correct. Um, I was like, I know him. And Daniel's like, no, I know you know him. He's He's been in a lot of stuff. I'm like, no, no, I know him. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then finally there was some sound trigger and my brain lit up and I just screamed, Blade Runner, and he was like, "Yes, yeah, Blade Runner." It was like Runner. sci-fi Tourette's. She yeah, just yelled I, it at the TV. I did. I just screamed at the TV. I need you, Dex. This is a bad one, the worst yet. I need the old Blade Runner. I need your magic. And he is so fucking evil, and you think he's just kind of a goof, but he is not. He is the most evil of evils. I loved. Ray, uh, and he ends up just playing like, what I think is funny is he's so good in this role. I feel like him as a, he ends up playing a character actor for the rest of his career. Yeah. Just in odds and ends goofy shit. And I feel bad. I'm like, you were so good and hot in this movie. Like you should have had a better career. Frances McDormand just walks away with the movie. I mean, she's out of control. Amazing. Dan Hedaya. Amazing. Um, what I, this may have nothing to do with, with the film. This is, this may just be a noir thing. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as, you know, well-versed as you or say like Travis or whatever, but like I got, I get irritated when I see things that can be solved very simply. I'm like, all you had to do was say one sentence. Yeah. All you had to, all you had to do was then say one sentence. Mm-hmm. All you had to do, like no one had to die. Well, one person had to die, but like no one had to be like, I'm afraid of you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to die. Because all they had to say, but it was just nothing but this. What happened, Ray? Right, what happened? Well, I just, I don't want to, I don't think we should talk about it. Well, what's going I'm not doing anything until you tell me. Well, I don't, I just feel like a, um, I need to lie down. What the fuck is wrong with you? This is amazing. Why? Well, I, I don't understand. <laughs> it was just, yeah. it was absurd. Yeah. And so that to me was, I was like, okay, guys, you haven't gotten it yet. Like you, this is not, yeah, this is not believable at all. No, that's a totally fair uh, observation and, and complaint. And I feel the same way a lot of times. Like, it's one thing when there's a genuine misunderstanding or miscommunication. But if the two parties who are misunderstanding each other are in the same room and are so close and all one person has to just say is, in plain language is what happened or what do you mean or like explain themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're so close but that gets really frustrating after a while mm-hmm. and that's when it starts to play like you know if that were a little wackier and the movie were different it would be a comedy because that's the kind of thing that happens on sitcoms all the time to this mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. two characters are having a conversation one thinks they're talking about work one thinks they're talking about their ex or something and so the sentences get mangled yep. and have double meanings yep super common but again this is a, a noir thriller with brief bits of, of black comedy so yeah those those moments where they could just clear everything up but they're too kind of dumbstruck and, and paranoid yeah do, yeah mm-hmm. i see that so that was that was really the the only thing that i was like come on but no i mean i, I think i thought the music was great really really well done i uh 
I'm trying to think where Williamson County is, because it had to have been North Texas. It was so damn flat. Uh, I can talk about where it was shot. Okay. But I definitely, I didn't really get the point of him being like, blah, 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 and then in Texas. The world is full of complainers. The fact is, nothing comes with a guarantee. Now, I don't care if you're the Pope of Rome, President of the United States, or Man of the Year. Something can all go wrong. Go ahead, you know, complain, tell your problems to your neighbor, ask for help, and watch him fly. Now, in Russia, they got it mapped out so that everyone pulls for everyone else. That's the theory, anyway. But what I know about is Texas. And down here, you're on your own. So I was like, I don't see what Texas has to do with this movie at all. Like, I get that we're in Texas, but nothing about this. I was like, right. you're either giving Texas a bad rep, like we just go around shooting each other, or... Well, sometimes. No. 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 I don't know. I really thought the writing was brilliant for the for the bad guy. Yep. I just thought it was brilliant. I love that instead of him just... I just thought, I mean... I, I like I almost don't want to spoil it because I feel like yeah, this that's is something tricky. that you, sh- you guys should see this movie. Yeah. Um and I don't want to give away the twists because I mean normally we're like you should have seen this by now. Right. But this one is so kind of Right. We haven't talked about noirs or thrillers that much on this or done many mystery kind of yeah. uh, stories and that that's a good point even though this movie is, you know, 35 years old now, I'm reluctant to talk about some of the twists that happen midway through and later as yeah. well because i yeah. don't want to give some of that away because it's really exciting stuff yeah and yeah. it still holds up today so, oh absolutely yeah but so that's what i thought cool i'm glad you liked it yeah. i i'd hoped you would because it's it's the cohen's i don't know we like the cohen's it's really well made and i knew you'd respond yeah. to that yep uh and it's a good murder crime story yeah and uh, again like like i said there are some parts that are visually tricky like there are very few, if any, establishing shots. You get a couple of establishing shots of uh, the bar. Yeah, the, you're the right. Marty runs Dan Hadaya's bar. His character's name is Marty. Is it Hadaya or Hadaya? I've always said Hadaya, but I've never actually heard it said. I've always out loud. said Hadaya. Dan Hadaya. Dan Hadaya. Dan, if you're listening, please let us know. Dan, you should sponsor us. Yep. We yep. really love you. I'm Hadayan to know how to say your name. Oh, no. Well, we've lost him now. Bye. Bye, Dan. We've Bye. lost him now. Sorry. Cheers was great. Anyway. Oh. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a couple shots of the bar, but, you know, there's one scene where a character is breaking into the bar to find something, but you don't see it happen. You hear the smash of glass and you see some stuff and it takes you a while to realize that you're looking at a chair in an office in the bar and what's happening, like, right before that and after that, it's a very confusing moment. And not, I should stress, in a way that is intentionally confusing, where filmmakers will throw you off your feet to kind of, like, have a specific effect. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that kind of confusing. It's like, it could be better. And and the Coens have said this in years since. They, they've tweaked the movie very, very minorly and, and restored it, but... Uh, they've said, listen, we, we made some mistakes. There's stuff we would do different now. But, I mean, it was their first movie. It's your so, first movie. Exactly. I don't think you should change it at all. I exactly. Think it should it's be, wonderful. It should be, please don't go George Lucas on They Blood didn't. Simple. They didn't. Please. The only thing that happened was they made a director's cut in the early aughts. that With actually a spaceship. Right. It was weird. <laughs> it was slightly shorter, and it did actually restore some music. In the original uh, theatrical release, they used the, the song, uh, the same old song. 
Yeah. But on VHS, that was replaced by Neil Diamond's I'm a Believer for rights issues. But they got to restore the original song. Oh, good. For, for future releases. So, yeah, I can talk a bit about the movie. Um, I guess. Which I think is just fine. I mean, That's usually what we do, right? I think. Probably. Anyway, so Blood Simple. The budget was a million and a half dollars. Wow. Which, not much, even back then. The box office, it made more than that, like two, two and a half, at least per box office mojo. So it made its money back. Made but its money back. What it really did was establish these guys out of the gate as like a barn burning talent. Yeah. Like their first movie comes out, blows everybody away, insane reviews, insane feedback. Frances McDormand, they're like, who is this? Was she already married? No. To- okay. No. Frances McDormand uh, is married to Joel Cohen. They met on the set of this. Oh, dreamy. And I actually have some interesting trivia. She's so beautiful. Yeah. She was, by the way, she was born in 57. They shot this in 82. So she's 25 when and they shoot this. Gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. big eyes. Big eyes. And she's like perfect, noir, like just just naive, like what? Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, very... Yeah. So, uh, interestingly, I pulled some some trivia together. There's a good piece on mental floss that kind of rounds up some trivia about Blood Simple. And they did the research for me by pulling together other sources, interviews, books. So I'm going to be citing that mental floss write up a lot. It's called, like, you know, 15 Thanks, pieces mental of trivia floss. about Blood Simple. Anyway, yeah. Uh, just to let you know, Joel Cohen and Francis McDormand met on the set of this. Uh, McDormand told the Daily Beast later about what happened. She said she'd only brought one book to read while they were filming, and she asked him if there was anything he'd recommend. He brought me a box of James M. Cain and Raymond Chandler paperbacks, and I said, which one should I start with? And he said, the postman always rings twice. I read it, and it was one of the sexiest fucking books I've ever read. A couple of nights later, I said, would you like to come over and discuss the book? That did it. He seduced me with literature. And then we discussed books and drank hot chocolate for several evenings. It was fucking hot. Keep it across the room for as long as you can. That's a very important element. Nice. Yeah. So That's awesome. So she and Joel met on the set of this, married in 84. They're still married. Yeah. Yeah. So it was shot in Austin and the small town of Hutto, which is north of Austin. It's like right no, east I know of, Hutto. Yes, yeah, right east of Round Rock. So so flat yeah for being near the hill country yeah but they uh well i saw the williamson county sign and i'm like well that's austin yeah so yeah they shot it around austin and hutto in the fall of 82 post-production took a year and it was finished in 83 okay but just getting this thing made was a challenge because again these guys are beginning filmmakers with no money connections etc so uh, one of the things that Joel did as he was working in the industry and getting started was he was a production assistant and he worked on The Evil Dead with Sam Raimi. Oh. So he got to learn about editing and filmmaking stuff and become friends with Sam Raimi. He also became friends with Bruce Campbell, which mm-hmm. becomes important later, mm-hmm. because he realized that uh, when he and Ethan wanted to make the movie, they needed to get investors. And so they did what Sam Raimi had done and they put together a fake trailer. They made an investor trailer, basically a sizzle reel, and said, hey, listen – can we come over and show you some footage? Mm-hmm. Because they figured out uh, that would be more alluring to potential investors than just saying, do you want to invest in a film? And yeah. they're like, that's side unseen. It's hard to do. So they shot a fake trailer, but the story wasn't set yet. It was very, very vague. So the trailer includes like a couple of unknowns and random people in, you know, some scenes. Uh, Bruce Campbell plays the Marty role of a guy crawling out of a car. Oh my who's, god! Who's being chased? And so, but the, tr- the the fake trailer uses some scenes that do wind up making the their way into the final movie in different versions. There's 
scenes of a gun firing through a wall that's mm-hmm. backlit and so light is coming through the bullet holes. Mm-hmm. You see a man dragging a shovel along a road toward a man who's bleeding and trying to crawl away. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And there were some like real inter- brief interstitial titles. They kind of jazz up to make it seem more action and exploitation-y to kind of like get investors on the hook. Mm-hmm. They knew they were not going to make that movie. Mm-hmm. But they, they kind of knew they would need to get investors for it. So... Uh, they scrounged up money and it took them like a year to raise the money to get together that way. So mm-hmm. this took a while, like another year to finish it in post because they shot it in 82. It comes out in festivals like late 84. It comes out in theaters January of 85. Oh. Um, so, but that's that's how they put this thing together. Uh, and it, So 82 is yeah, when they shot they it. They shot it in 82. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can actually find, if you look, you go to YouTube, It's it's been online for a couple of years now. Just look for Blood Simple Investor Trailer, and you can find it. It's oh, a couple of minutes long, cool. and it's really fascinating because you see, A, how smart and well put together it is, but also even more amateurish, but, you know, kind of hungry and young. Mm-hmm. And you see how a lot of the shots and vibe in this made their way into the final product really, really similarly. Interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. There's only like five people in the movie, too, which is amazing. Again, low budget. You've got Dan Hedaya, Marty. Mm-hmm. You've got Frances McDormand, his wife. John Getz, who plays Ray, the guy she's sleeping with. Mm-hmm. And then you've got M. Emmett Walsh, who plays Lauren, the P.I. And then you've got Maurice, the bartender, the other bartender at the bar, played by Sam Art Williams. That's basically it. There are five people in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And it's super tight and super short. Interestingly, I found out that Sam Art Williams, born in North Carolina, he wrote a play called Home that played on Broadway for several months in May of 80 through January of 81, which was nominated for the Tony Award and the Drama Desk Award. Very cool. He's got a huge theatrical background, focuses a lot of his writing and producing and acting on the African-American experience. He worked on shows like Frank's Place, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hang With Mr. Cooper. He's in the North Carolina Literary Hall of Fame, and he was at one point the artist in residence at North Carolina Central University at HBCU. Uh, where he taught about equity theater and the art of playwriting. That is very cool. Fascinating life this guy's had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and he's he's really good as Maurice, too. Yes. You know? So, oh, you mentioned the music, too. The music was by Carter Burwell, who's mm-hmm. done 16 of the Coen Brothers movies. Oh, well, there you go. And he's worked Because I always love the music in the Coen Brothers movies. Yes. was also the feature film debut of Barry Sonnenfeld, the director of photography. That was crazy. And it looks gorgeous. It is so gorgeous noir. Like, there are a couple of scenes that are more real looking, like outside in a guy's yard, things like that, or outside behind a bar. But so much of it is in this noir, emotion-driven universe. There's like pure black background, no stars, no horizon line, Mm -hmm. just shadows and light and dirt and car edges. And it is gorgeous it's like a play almost sometimes mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. insane and this was his first movie apparently like he would get so nervous on set that he would go barf after watching the dailies okay. like nobody this was their first movie ever like no, everybody Jeez. making this was like 
rookies. Think about the stuff that he's done since then. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, whose DP credits would go on to include Raising Arizona, 3 O'Clock High, Throw Mama from the Train. Men in Black, didn't Big, you Men in Black? Hold on. Uh, when Harry Met Sally and Miller's Yay! Crossing and Misery. He started directing in 1991 with Adam's Family and then Adam's Family of Values in 93. Get Shorty in 95. Fantastic. Men in Black in 1997. It's kind of it. Because uh, after that, he did the insanely bad Wild Wild West in 1999. Oh. Or uh, Wiki Wild, Wiki Wiki, Wiki Wiki, Wiki, Wiki Wild, Wild, Wild Wild West, West. Jim West, Dun- Desperado, Wild, Wild Rough Rider. West. No, you don't want nada. Wild, Wild None West. of this, six gun of this. Mm. I could do the Wild, whole song. It wouldn't be great. But I could do it because I was in high school when it came out. And I heard the song. A lot. When I roll into the when I stroll into the when I bounce into the Cisco, Cisco. Anyway, so it's not great, not a great movie. But forget Shorty alone. The man get should be. Sh- oh my god, get Shorty is so. You and I watched it early on. I mean, I had yeah, seen it. We'd both too. seen it, but we watched it like early on in our relationship. And I was like, "Don't you love this?" And you were like, "I love you." Like anytime yeah. I would be like, "I love this movie," he'd be like, "Oh my god." Yeah, it's great. Get Shorty Mary is so me. good, and this was Barry Sonnenfeld's first feature. He was super young and super nervous. He did a really good job. He is again. It's so insanely good looking. Like it is, <laughs> it's insanely good looking. Insanely good looking. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the use of light and shadow are outstanding. The fact that this is these people's first movie for so many of them is just ridiculous. Yeah, like it is so good. Um, I want to share some more interesting trivia with you. The title was inspired by Dashiell Hammett in his novel Red Harvest because he used the phrase "blood simple" in that book to meaning go crazy, like. Simple meaning crazy and how people in certain straits and certain tough situations go blood simple or blood crazy. Yeah. And because the people in this movie just get more caught up in a frenzy of stuff. Well, they talk about, I mean, uh, M. Emmett Walsh's character talks about being money simple. Like, you're going to get crazy over money and don't Mm -hmm. get money simple on me and blah, blah, blah. Uh Yeah. Throws that in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of M. Emmett Walsh, the Coens specifically wrote the part for him. Which I thought was awesome. M. Emmett Walsh, you'll recognize right away from the internet. He's been in more than 200 TV and movies per Wikipedia, which I believe he's basically in something every year and has been for decades, either a movie or TV show. Most recently, he was the groundskeeper in Knives Out. Like, he's in everything. Yeah. When was Blade Runner? 82. Okay. So, okay. I... For real, think that they had a little bit of inspiration from Blade Runner. I'm sure, yeah. That the scene with the knife and then the shooting. In the hand, the, come yeah, on. I thought that too. I was like, it's, I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> Blade Runner. Yeah, it's very Blade Runner feeling at the end when a guy gets stabbed in the hand and like pinned to a windowsill. It's rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Joel, awesome. Joel Cohen wrote a book called My First Movie and he talked a lot about Blood Simple, of course. And he said, Blood Simple started something else that we've done pretty much in every subsequent movie, which was that we've always written parts for specific actors. They knew that they wanted Walls from the film Straight Time, in which he played this sleazy character. Uh, and so they, they really wanted to do something really fun with this guy. And so they wrote specifically oh, for God. him. And the reason they were able to, to get him was because they wrote for him. And also the funding they raised let them target character actors like M. Emmett Walsh and Dan Hedaya. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the cast Francis McDormand, relative unknown, so an amazing actor, but also costs less. Yeah. They're like, here's 50 bucks. And yeah, she's basically. like, cool. Yeah. Uh, the Coens and many of the cast and crew had never been on a film set before this movie. Yeah. Joel Cohen admitted in my first movie, quote, the first day of shooting on Blood Simple was the first time I'd ever been on a feature movie set in any capacity, even as a visitor. 
He'd That's worked, insane. He'd worked as an assistant editor on horror films, including The Evil Dead. But he said everybody was in the same boat. The gaffer had never gaffed before. The sound guy, the mixer, never mixed before. This was like a ragtag group of people who made a movie that happened to be like a low-key kind of masterpiece like an yeah. amateur masterpiece yeah amateur what? masterpiece is what i'd call it because like, it's definitely yeah. amateur but right. but i feel like you grade everybody's first film or films on a curve you almost have to for sure but like i mean to bust out of the gate with this it's yeah insane they chose to make a film noir because it was a practical genre they loved film noir but they also knew you could make a movie like that for very little money yeah you didn't need a big effects no you know you basically need a good cameraman and some blood packets and a good editor. Uh, it looked like jelly. It did look like jelly sometimes. <laughs> Although they did a good job. The editor is listed as Roderick Jane's. That's the Cohen brothers. So, yeah. Yeah. No major studio wanted to distribute this movie. They took their time editing it, put it together. Warner Brothers turned it down. An indie company called Crown International offered to do it if they would put in some nudity. Oh, for fuck's sake. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Circle Films picked up the movie after it screened at Toronto. It came out to good reviews. Warner tried to buy it from Circle at that point, but didn't work. Ah. Uh, yep. Give also, me them titties. Yep. Give me them titties. That was actually the original name of the movie. <laughs> the Coen Brothers present Give Me Them Titties. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. What? It just makes me... weird. It just makes me think about, uh, about um, Valley Girl, how they were like... Yes, exa- exactly. We want we want tits. Yep. We want to be. We want an exploitation yep. film. We want Sex tits. this thing up a little. They're like, oh, we don't oh do my that. god. So, there's a really cool scene where M. Emmett Walsh and Dan Hedaya are talking, and it's a reverse close up on Dan Hedaya's face, and M. Emmett Walsh's character is blowing smoke rings past his face. I loved that it's, part. I love that you noticed that. It's gorgeously shot because it's got this pink light, and the rings look pink. Walsh could not blow smoke rings. Oh. Here's the thing: he couldn't do it. Uh, he tried and tried, but started to make himself sick. They brought in a smoke machine to make the smoke rings, but it broke. And then, according to Walsh, the script gal says, Give me a damn cigar. I grew up with five brothers smoking behind a barn. So they give her a cigar, and she starts making these incredible smoke rings. I said to myself, My God, this is how you make a movie. Later on, I went outside and saw her puking her brains out. That was blood simple. That, honestly, that is perfect. That's how you make movies. Yeah. Isn't that great? There's a brief scene where... Maurice, the bartender, comes mm-hmm. in and is playing his answering machine messages. That's where he finds out. He hears the message from Marty mm-hmm. and realizes, oh, Marty went to Corpus, came back and called me. He must be okay. He's not missing or hurt like mm-hmm. he's been he is. Before that, there's another message of some lady saying. Hi, Maurice. This is Helene, Helene Trin, you know. And I'm calling because I want to know just what the hell that remark you made about Sylvia is supposed to mean. She said you're full of shit and frankly, I believe her. And hey, I love you too, sure. Anyway, you better call me soon because I'm going to South America tonight. You know, Uruguay. I want to get. I'm gonna get out of town. You better straighten this up. I'm going to South America tonight, tonight like Uruguay. It was. Do you have a guess? Holly Hunter. It was indeed Holly Hunter. That voice, please. Holly Hunter could. I mean, with that voice, where it's like, yeah, it's South America, right? South America, like Uruguay. I'm going, to, I'm going to South America, and I'm not. You know, I'm not waiting for you. I love you, Uruguay. Like, yes, yes. she's amazing. Yeah, she was a friend of theirs for a while. They wanted to use her. Uh, it was. It's so identifiable. I knew it was Holly Hunter. Yeah, Holly Hunter, her voice please, come stands on. out. And yeah. then they used her in their next film. They used her in Raising Arizona, and they talked about that. Uh, Ethan said, uh, after having completed Blood Simple, we wanted to make something completely different, which is really brilliant, because they come out of the gate with a dark thriller, and they're like, okay, let's do something else cool that we love, but also not get pigeonholed. Right. Because it's really, really hard as a director 
to break out of that stuff. We're okay seeing actors express that range. Right. But it's really hard for directors to do multiple types of things. Yeah. In part because it might not be where their skill set is, in part because they also might not get that chance. Yeah. Uh, They proved they could do that by following up this with Raising Arizona. The two movies could not be more different. No. So, uh, but they talked about that. They said, uh, we wanted to make something completely different. We didn't know what. But we wanted it to be something funny that had a very quick rhythm. We also wanted to use Holly Hunter, who's been a friend of ours for a long time. So it really wasn't the story that was the origin of the project, but Holly Hunter, her personality, and by extension, the character we conceived for her to play. Uh, so yeah, she she was their friend and inspired Raising Arizona. Again, writing screenplays to actors they know, to talents yep, they know. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's a fascinating look at, at how these guys made this movie from... Basically, like scotch tape and sweat and determination, you can feel it like stapled together. But it's funny, like I was uh, I was checking it out earlier this week to kind of revisit it a little bit because this was on the list of movies that I knew I wanted to show Tracy, but I hadn't seen it in a while. So I wanted to revisit it and make sure no animals got hurt. It wasn't super violent. You know, just kind of <laughs> check it out. No, it's really just no animals are hurt. And Basically. by the way, I was disturbed yeah. by the fact that we don't know what happens to the dog after yep. her owner is killed. Yeah, she... Like, 20 minutes later, Tracy's like, I'm worried about Opal. I'm like, the Opal's going to be fine. The dog is somehow okay. Yeah, no, but, the, dog was, the dog was fine. And but, a very good actor. But I fired up the movie to just kind of check it out for a few minutes because it's, like I said, been a while. And I wound up watching the whole thing again because I just got sucked in. Yeah. I just I could not put it down. It really just moves. And I think it worked for you, too, because, like you said, there were things that you didn't like, but you didn't check your phone at all. No. And that's usually a really good barometer. Yeah. You know? Usually, if you're like, mm, fucking wonders, like you'll check your phone, which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't check your phone during this, and I was like, that she's definitely locked in. Even if there's stuff where she's like, why are you running into the place where the killer can get you? Please get out of there, dumb lady. Don't yeah. do that. But yeah, yeah, it definitely seemed to to kind of lock in with you, which was for sure was good. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I didn't have honestly a ton else. I really just kind of wanted to share this movie with you, and <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Just- yeah. Oh, interestingly, uh, you mentioned uh, it says it was directed by Joel and produced by Ethan, which is not the case. They both directed it. They both produced it. There was a director's guild rule where you could only be listed as co-directors if you were a quote unquote like established group or established duo. Yeah. Because the guild really wanted to protect, in their view, the sanctity of that role. Right. And that profession. So from Blood Simple through like the Lady Killers... One Cohen is listed as directing, one is listed as producing, but it's just a guild arbitration thing. Mm-hmm. They both directed everything together. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a unit. So even when you go back and see old movies of theirs like Raising Arizona or Miller's Crossing or Fargo, and it lists one as directing, one as producing, that was just a concession they had to make for the time. They both direct. What would happen if Roderick Jane won an Oscar? They would accept it. Okay. Well, it's like how, uh, you know, when we watched Haywire, Soderbergh lists himself under different names right as like dp and editor but he would you would go up and accept it oh okay i mean they could maybe go hire up there a guy. and be like yeah. suck it it was us all along right like, <laughs> like we knew that don't be weird <laughs> why are you licking the microphone you sick idiot yeah i should be allowed in the oscars you should i think you should run the oscars honestly it'd be pretty amazing well it'd be better than what it is now literally anything would be yeah um but no i i love this movie because it's tight and short it's like a it feels like a classic detective novel it's a short story yes it's not long it is it is like a classic old detective story Mm -hmm. and with no detective 
I was like, where are the cops? People are getting shot. I don't know what's going right. on. Okay, Real life law it's fine. But um, I do worry sometimes with Daniel's movies that it's going to be like three and a half hours. And I always I'm gonna, have to. Yeah. And I'm going to um, just be like, please just put me out of my misery. After I have to remind her. So I was like, this movie's 90 minutes long. It's going to be going to be not that long even yeah. if you hate it it won't be that long yeah of an experience i definitely did not hate it i thought good. it was really really good and it's what's funny is while i was watching it there were parts where i was like ugh, and annoyed or bored sure but then after it was over i was like i'm gonna go lie down with the cats mm-hmm. and while you do your like research or whatever and i was lying there and i was just like oh, i really like this and i really like this yeah i really like this like it's definitely one of those movies that you're like no no i get it i get it like this is tight and and well right. done and like i said i thought the music um the music cues were like right on yeah right gorgeous. on they were mm-hmm. really really good yeah. um and i liked the the effect of the ceiling fan just everywhere you went like yeah that ominous this rotating home, home. i was reminded oddly of the thin blue line i um, was too i was gonna bring that up yeah i was i was reminded of the thin blue line a couple times and i was like Is because the thin blue lines recreations had the same visual effect of it's at night, but there's like nothing in the background. No stars, houses, horizon, anything. Yeah, it's just and they'd in have this that little, police light just going. Whoom, yeah, this little whoom, void. Whoom, very whoom. similar. Very similar. I'm I'm sure that like one influenced the other. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but I think it's it's really gorgeously lit and shot, and worth seeing for that alone. Uh, in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, and McDormand's performance is is amazing. Yes. It's also a really amazing testament to these guys who are so known now for their dialogue and writing and, and rightly so like some of their dialogue is just music, wow. but huge portions of this movie are just visual storytelling. Yes. Like there's a middle chunk involving Ray and Marty and some oh God. bloody consequences that go sideways and it's super tense and, 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 and exciting, but there's, no dialogue. No dialogue. Like, you hear, like, a line or two of dialogue, and then Ray stops talking, and then that's it. You hear some background music on, like, a jukebox, and later on a car stereo, but that's it. And I, I want to look it up uh, and find out exactly how long it is, but it is a long sequence yes. of just visual storytelling, and you're just hooked the whole time. Yeah. and It's, it's amazing. And and I think the uh, the other thing that I thought was really fantastic was that none of these characters act the way – how do I put this – None of them are um, rote. Like, they're not... Fuck. Predictable, cavalier. Yes. None of the characters are predictable. They're not, like, the typical evil guy. Yeah. The typical evil girl, say. I mean, she's not... But it's, mm-hmm. like, you think it's going to go... You think it's going to zig and it zags. You think it's going to zag and it zigs. And that's what I liked about it was because I thought, if this goes the way I think it's going to go, I'm going to be like, oh, yawn. But it didn't. It and I should have known that it wouldn't because Coen Brothers. Yeah. But that was something that I noticed during the film that I liked a lot. But again, I agree. The... Uh, Lack of communication was annoying. Yeah. I feel, though, that there's... Well, just... Uh, it is... I'm gonna... Get out of here. I'm gonna get out of here. You should learn to... Don't point a gun unless you're gonna pull it. Uh, you got it. Yeah. Uh, I understand, though. I completely agree about them not being predictable. I think you can definitely feel, like, the psychological weight of the stuff they're doing. Oh, yes. Like, 
usually in a lot of movies when somebody is in a back into a corner and has to act violently and winds up taking violent action they panic or get angry or get frustrated or rush but this one the guy who winds up having to take that violent action becomes paranoid and and depressed and and nervous and you know just like dealing with so many emotions at once and it's really different than what you normally see in movies like well, this. Well, it feels like it's real. Yes, it feels very real. That's it feels the thing. Very real. It feels very real. I don't think that that a normal person, if they did that, would no. be like, yeah, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? I it's think how they would be paranoid and exactly. I think it's how any of us would react if we were in this situation. So it's just how many people have the Coen Brothers killed? Probably, I don't know, one a movie. Hmm. Yeah, like drifters. Yeah, yeah. that's just move from state to state. That's just how they know how to write it. Yep, that's their method, and I don't question it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's just it's a really fun, good movie. Like I said, it's not a deep, deep movie, but it's a rock solid movie and an amazing first feature and fun to see. Oh, this was the first Coens. This was Francis McDormand's debut. This was the first movie for Barry Sonnenfeld. You see where all these amazing people who've had a huge influence on American movies in the past 40 years started. Yeah. And so that, I just love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. And again, Frances McDormand, 25, beautiful, amazing actress. Yes. Crushes it. Yes. So good. And yeah, I agree. John Getz, who plays Ray, I would have loved to see him have... A career. Bigger roles. He's done tons of character work, um, like supporting stuff. You might remember him maybe as the newspaper editor, Templeton Peck in Zodiac. He's kind of got that very, like, office dude-in-charge vibe. He played the lawyer Psy in The Social Network. He played one of the lawyers. Yeah. Um, he's he got that kind of does, vibe. He also kind of does some buffoonish work. Yeah. Which is a shame, because he's really good in this. Yeah. He's, like you said, he's dangerous. He's definitely got, like, some allure. He's got some major PTSD. Major PTSD. Yeah. He's a, he's really good. He's a good actor in this. Yeah. Good yeah. performance. And I thought it was great. Yeah. So uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. It's currently streaming as of the recording and release of this on HBO now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you miss that, you can, I'm sure, pay to rent it on things like Amazon and iTunes. Or, like I said, Criterion put this out on Blu-ray with, like, a new transfer, new commentary, essays, behind-the-scenes stuff. So check that out, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Blood Simple. Very good choice. Yeah. Very good choice. And a really nice, um, really nice from last week, you know. Although I would like to point out that we were with my family last night, social distancing. Safely, safely. Safely, safely. But my my brother and, and wonderful sister-in-law are uh, headed back to the Big Apple, what's left of it. Um, and uh, so we wanted to, you know, say goodbye and... Uh, anyway, I'm standing there and I was like, uh, I said something to my brother cause he, you know, Price listens to the podcast and is one of, well, he is our only, he's our fan. He's no, he's our only, uh, correspondent, you know, like, a Oh, guest, 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 yes, whatever. And I was like, yeah, so, uh, center stage, huh? And my sister-in-law literally jumped up and down and clapped her hands. And I just looked at Daniel like, Yes. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I, my brother's like, oh, I haven't even finished it yet. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. And Tally's yep. like, center stage, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. But just a girl in Australia, and did, she loved it. My brother-in-law Price did confirm and validate my thesis yes. that center stage and varsity blues are just two sides of the same coin. Yes. Yes, which I believe. Yeah. I firmly believe that. So there you go. Yeah. I just thought I'd share that. Mm-hmm. That uh, 
all women love center stage. It's universal for people of a certain generation. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So we decided that uh, we really couldn't think of any hell yeahs uh, this week because yeah. um, what the fuck is going on? Basically. Is really more. They're really instead of hell yeahs, it's uh, what the fuck. Yeah. Um, so what we decided to do instead was um, was encourage everybody to donate to um as many social action groups uh, yeah. uh not social action groups what am i saying activism groups activism groups bail fund groups things yeah, like that groups um, that are supporting the people right now who are protesting their right to be treated like humans yeah george floyd's family yes because i'd fucking sue every one of those cops i don't give a shit like yep. I, I can't believe only one of them was charged yeah i cried for I don't know how long last night thinking yeah. about what he said while he was dying. I just can't, I can't handle it. And, and it's not just George Floyd. It's, uh, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey. And, it's everybody. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's all it's of thousands this. thousands and thousands of people. Um, it's Christian Cooper. It's, uh, yeah. it's by the grace of God that man wasn't shot. That yes. The cops didn't come. I mean, and, yeah, because uh, she wanted to happen what happened to George Floyd. Yeah, She was exactly. calling the cops like they were customer service yeah. for someone bothering her. Yeah. Yeah. So... I was telling Daniel that um, I have uh, my my friends of color were saying, you know, we don't want to hear anyone say that they're shocked anymore. Like, I, I'm you know, I can't believe this. This is horrible. And we were like, oh, shit. You know, I know that I'm guilty of that. I know that I'm guilty of saying I, I just can't believe this is happening. No, I can believe this is happening. It literally just comes out because it's so horrifying that I. I just, I still to this day can't believe that humans are capable of this, of this hideous violence, especially with a virus that is ravaging the world. We should be coming together and helping each other and, and racism should not even be in question. It, It should be. I mean, I saw a quote the other day. Negated completely. I saw a quote the other day that was attributed to Will Smith. So I don't know, uh, the original source might be him. But the quote was, racism isn't getting worse, it's getting filmed. There you go. And, yeah, that was a really good lens to put on it. Yes. So, so this week, our, our hell yeah slash what the fuck is donate and speak out and be active against racists. ACLU. Yeah. Destroy the system and build a new one and do whatever you can to dismantle. Yeah. But, but. um, Smart. Yeah. Smartly, wisely. Cause, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't hurt yourself. Please don't hurt others. Please don't. Yeah. Um, we're just, oh my God. I, I just, I can't. And, and if you're, if you're white, open your ears and your eyes and listen and learn and ask, you ask people of color what it is that you can do. And don't just, don't just moan and wail. Do. Mm-hmm. We don't need thoughts and prayers. We need action. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's what you can do. Speak with your dollars. Um, speak with your actions. Volunteer. Uh, talk to people. If you have people that are like, I don't understand what's been going on. Tell them what's been going on. You know, that kind of thing. And it's, action is the only way that we're going to make a difference. Agreed. Speak with your census. Speak with your vote. You know? Yeah. Kick them out of office. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Our, that's our call to action this week is just get out there. Get know? out there. Get mm-hmm. out there and fucking fix this Let's do it. Nightmare. We love you. Um, And we're very grateful to be doing this. Uh, 
we're getting close to our 40th we are episode which is bonkers we're in the upper 30s right now yeah so um but i think we should celebrate on our 50th agreed um fireworks fireworks cake and then it's fireworks oh it's had to end on something happy yeah i know uh hug your loved ones that you're quarantined with don't hug anyone else don't touch anyone um the virus is still out there you doinks the virus has not gone away nope it's not gone it's not gone Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. Yeah. We love you. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.